section nineteen of heroines of fiction by william dean howells this librivox recording is in the public domain the two catherines of emily bronte the heroines of charlotte bronte's other books made no such impression upon her public as jane eyre but perhaps one heroine of the first rank is enough for one author so many authors have invented no memorable heroine at all jane eyre was an epical book assembling in itself the elements of that electrical disturbance which had been gathering in the minds of women for a generation and discharging them in a type a character which expressed their discontent with their helplessness their protest against their conditions their longing for equality with men as from time to time some real or imaginary personality will it is extremely interesting viewed in this light and if it express the weakness that is always seeking to be at rest in strength or to be changed directly or indirectly into strength then the fact has its own pathos which every true man must respect rochester is such a man as most women or most girls would like to be when they owe to be men they would like to be rough if they cannot be strong on other terms they would even be wicked if they must and would willingly suffer for their wickedness if only so they could be strong but failing all this they would at least like to be the sort of woman or sort of girl who is indispensable and vitally essential to strength as jane eyre is in her relation to rochester the pity is that they should not see that jane is really strong and rochester is really weak but jane does not see this herself and it is doubtful whether her author saw it what she and her lonely sisters worshipped in the dreary vicarage at haworth was manly strength but from the father and brother who were the only men they knew they could not imagine this apart from wilfulness and caprice and error and so they gave us rochester in jane eyre and heathcliff in wuthering heights with women to suffer for them and to illustrate or inspire their power charlotte bronte created the impassioned heroine as i have called jane eyre and emily bronte created the lawless heroine like the two catherines but all their heroines measurably shared in the fascination which brutality the false image of strength seems to have for weakness in these characters they changed the ideal of fiction for many a long day and established the bullied heroine in a supremacy which she held till the sinuous heroine began softly but effectually to displace her one the heroines of emily bronte have not the artistic completeness of charlotte bronte's they are blocked out with hysterical force and in their character there is something elemental as if like the man who beat and browbeat them they too were close to the savagery of nature the sort of supernaturalism which appears here and there in their story 
wants the refinement of the telepathy and presentiment which play a part in jane eyre but it is still more effectual in the ruder clutch which it lays upon the fancy in her dealing with the wild passion of heathcliff for the first catherine emily bronte does not keep even such slight terms with convention as charlotte does in the love of rochester and jane eyre but this fierce longing stated as it were in its own language is still farther from anything that corrupts or tempts it is as wholesome and decent as a thunderstorm in the consciousness of the witness the perversities of the mutual attraction of the lovers are rendered without apparent sense on the part of the author that they can seem out of nature so deeply does she feel them to be in nature and there is no hint from her that they need any sort of proof it is vouchsafed us to know that heathcliff is a foundling of unknown origin early fixed in his hereditary evils by the cruelty of hindley earnshaw whose father has adopted him but it is not explained why he should have his malign power upon catherine perhaps it is enough that she is shown a wilful impetuous undisciplined girl whose pity has been moved for the outcast before her fancy is taken after that we are told what happens and are left to account for it as we may we are very badly told in terms of autobiography thrice involved first we have the narrative of heathcliff's tenant then within his the narrative of the tenant's housekeeper as she explains the situation she has witnessed at heathcliff's house and then within hers the several narratives of the actors in the tragedy seldom has a great romance been worse contrived both as to generals and particulars but the essentials are all there and the book has a tremendous vitality if it were of the fashion of any other book it might have passed away but it is of its own fashion solely and it endures like a piece of the country in which its scenes are laid enveloped in a lurid light and tempestuous atmosphere of its own its people are all of extreme types and yet they do not seem unreal like the extravagant creations of dickens's fancy they have an intense and convincing reality the weak ones such as heathcliff's wife and son equally with the powerful such as heathcliff himself and the catherines mother and daughter a weird malevolence broods over the gloomy drama and through all plays a force truly demoniacal with scarcely the relief of a moment's kindliness the facts are simply conceived and stated without shadow of apology or extenuation and the imagination from which they sprang cannot adequately be called morbid for it deals with the brute motives employed without a taint of sickly subjectiveness the author remains throughout superior to her material her creations have all a distinct projection and in this emily bronte shows herself a greater talent than charlotte who is never quite detached from her heroine but is always trammelled in sympathy with jane eyre with whom she is united by ties of a like vocation and experience as governess you feel that she is present in all jane's sufferings small and great if not in her raptures 
but emily bronte keeps as sternly aloof from both her catherines as from heathcliff himself she bequeathed the world at her early death a single book of as singular power as any in fiction and proved herself in spite of its defective technique a great artist of as realistic motive and ideal as any who have followed her two it is not easy to gather up the thread of the story from the several narratives within narratives and find one's way by the tangled clue to the close but after earnshaw brings home from liverpool the gipsy foundling whom his son hates and misuses he dies and as this son sinks more and more into drunkenness it is natural and fated that his wilful sister catherine should pity the dark silent boy who repays her pity with all the passion of his turbulent heart when they are no longer girl and boy and it is a question of her loving heathcliff she marries if she does not love edgar linton of her own rank and kind and heathcliff returning from years of self-exile marries isabella linton against her brother's will and without the pretence of love his brute force fascinates the slight romantic coquette and she dies of his cruelty leaving a son in whose feeble soul her folly centres with an infusion of the father's malevolence catherine dies and her daughter catherine inherits her waywardness without her powerful will which could bend even heathcliff's he by his ruthless cleverness comes to dominate hindley earnshaw through earnshaw's besetting sin and gathers the estate into his own control pushing aside the heir hareton earnshaw whom he has imbruted as hareton's father imbruted him in his time and kept ignorant as a peasant and even more savage after catherine's death he schemes to marry her daughter to his son and so come into the linton property as well in spite of edgar linton the broken and dying father he succeeds in enticing the girl to his house again and again and he does finally effect the union of the children while they are yet scarcely more than children his son dies and then cathy lives with heathcliff a terrorized torment till heathcliff dies too hated as he has been by all except the hapless hareton earnshaw whom he has abused and defrauded but who truly laments him the reader is left to forecast a marriage between hareton and cathy whom he has always loved but who has outrageously mocked and insulted him within this outline the author makes it not only possible but imperative for the reader to believe that in rural england of the mid-century savageries were of occurrence among people of not ungentle condition and atrocious wrongs were perpetuated such as would be incredible without her compelling magic though things like them are well enough known to science throughout there is a dumb ache in the witness for help against heathcliff whose infernal will fulfils itself in spite of everything and whose cunning entrenches him so safely that he does not defy so much as boldly ignore the laws under which other men live once or twice he is in danger of them but chance as well as his own hardihood and subtlety befriend him 
and when he dies successful in all his purposes and dominant over all those he has put under him a thrill of perverse sympathy with him softens the reader's heart heathcliff is a great creation but the women of the story are imagined with truth as great and to hardly less tremendous effect i am not sure indeed that the effect in the case of the first catherine is less tremendous at all times or at least i should be puzzled to match with any scene in which he rules certain passages where she is the chief figure the reader will perhaps have in mind as i have their meeting when catherine has been sick well nigh to death from the quarrel between heathcliff and her husband and heathcliff always lurking about linton's house makes his forbidden entrance and finds his way to her room it is mrs dean the housekeeper who tells the tale in this part he did not hit the right door directly she motioned to me to admit him but he found it ere i could reach the door and in a stride or two he was at her side and had grasped her in his arms he neither spoke nor loosed his hold for some five minutes during which period he bestowed more kisses than ever he gave in his life before i dare say but then my mistress had kissed him first and i plainly saw that he could hardly bear for downright agony to look in her face oh cathy oh my life how can i bear it was the first sentence he uttered in a tone that did not seek to disguise his despair what now said catherine leaning back and returning his look with a suddenly clouded brow her humour was a mere vein for constantly varying caprices you and edgar have broken my heart heathcliff and you both come to bewail the deed to me as if you were the people to be pitied i shall not pity you not i you have killed me and thriven on it i think how strong you are how many years do you mean to live after i am gone heathcliff had knelt on one knee to support her he attempted to rise but she seized his hair and kept him down i wish i could hold you she bitterly continued till we were both dead i shouldn't care what you suffered i care nothing for your sufferings why shouldn't you suffer i do will you forget me will you be happy when i am in the earth will you say twenty years hence that's the grave of catherine earnshaw i loved her long ago and was wretched to lose her but that's past i've loved many others since my children are dearer to me than she was and at death i shall not rejoice that i am going to her i shall be sorry that i must leave them will you say that heathcliff don't torture me till i'm as mad as yourself cried he wrenching his head free and grinding his teeth while raising himself with one hand he had taken her arm with the other and so inadequate was his stock of gentleness to the requirements of her condition that on his letting go i saw four distinct impressions left blue in the colourless skin are you possessed with the devil he pursued savagely to talk in that manner to me when you are dying you know you lie when you say that i have killed you and catherine you know that i could as soon forget you as my own existence is it not sufficient for your infernal selfishness that while you are at peace i shall writhe in the torments of hell i shall not be at peace moaned catherine recalled to a sense of physical weakness by the violent unequal throbbing of her heart which beat visibly and audibly under this excess of agitation 
she said nothing farther till the paroxysm was over then she continued more kindly i'm not wishing you greater torment than i have heathcliff i only wish us never to be parted won't you come here again do heathcliff went back to her chair and leant over her but not so far as to let her see his face which was livid with emotion she bent round to look at him he would not permit it turning abruptly he walked to the fireplace where he stood silent with his back towards us in her eagerness she rose and supported herself on the arm of her chair at that earnest appeal he turned to her an instant they held asunder and then how they met i hardly knew but catherine made a spring and he caught her and they were locked in an embrace from which i thought my mistress would never be released alive she put up her hand to clasp his neck and bring his cheek to her own you teach me now how cruel you have been cruel and false why did you despise me why did you betray your own heart cathy i have not one word of comfort you deserve this you have killed yourself yes you may kiss me and cry and wring out my tears and kisses they'll blight you they'll damn you you loved me then what right had you to leave me what right answered me for the poor fancy you felt for linton let me alone let me alone sobbed catherine if i've done wrong i'm dying for it it is enough you left me too but i won't abrade you i forgive you forgive me it is hard to forgive and look at those eyes and feel these wasted hands he answered kiss me again and don't let me see your eyes i can forgive you for what you've done to me i love my murderer but yours how can i they were silent their faces hid against each other and washed by each other's tears service is over i announced my master will be here in half an hour heathcliff groaned a curse and strained catherine closer she never stirred now he is here i exclaimed for heaven's sake hurry down you'll not meet any one at the front stairs i must go cathy said heathcliff seeking to extricate himself from his companion's arms you must not go she answered holding him as firmly as her strength allowed you shall not i tell you he would have risen and unfixed her fingers by the act she clung fast gasping no she shrieked oh don't don't go it is the last time edgar will not hurt us heathcliff i shall die i shall die damn the fool there he is cried heathcliff sinking back into his seat hush my darling hush hush catherine i'll stay if he shot me so i'd expire with a blessing on my lips edgar sprang to his unbidden guest blanched with astonishment and rage what he meant to do i cannot tell however the other stopped all demonstrations at once by placing the lifeless form in his arms look there he said unless you be a fiend help her first then you shall speak to me three it might be thought that catherine linton was sufficiently involved in her ungoverned impulses but her daughter catherine is of a still more labyrinthine lawlessness she has her father's violent temperament as well as his complexion her malice if qualities can be assigned a tint is peculiarly blonde while her mother's fury was brunette she lends herself to heathcliff's purposes by her disobedience to her father and first puts herself in his power by a romantic fancy for his weakling son whom she only despises when heathcliff has forced their marriage and her husband willingly and even gladly abandons her to his father's barbarity she effectively lives heathcliff's prisoner till he dies but she never yields in spirit to him 
though quelled by blows into a literal submission and from time to time she breaks out into reckless taunts and defiances it is an exposition of woman's nature unparalleled in some traits she has been delicately bred in her father's house and educated if not disciplined she would be expected to have the instincts of a class but she seems not to feel the insult of heathcliff's blows so much as to dread the mere pain and you cannot help believing these are the facts of the case you know it to be also true that he never relents to her out of tenderness for her mother's memory and that in the mere wantonness of her power she is quite capable of lacerating the proud ignorant soul of the only man who could have protected her against his ferocity surely that side of a girl's nature was never so unsparingly studied as in the love-making between hareton and catherine who first rouses all the wild beast in him by laughing at his crude attempts to learn from her teaching and then tames it to her will by the arts which her growing fancy for him inspires earnshaw sat morose as usual at the chimney-corner and my little mistress was beguiling an idle hour with drawing pictures on the window-panes varying her amusement by smothered bursts of songs and whispered ejaculations and quick looks of annoyance and impatience in the direction of her cousin who steadfastly smoked and looked into the grate presently i heard her begin i found out hareton that i want that i'm glad that i should like you to be my cousin now if you had not grown so cross to me and so rough hareton returned no answer let me take that pipe she said cautiously advancing her hand and abstracting it from his mouth before he could attempt to recover it it was broken and behind the fire he swore at her and seized another stop she cried you must listen to me first and i can't speak while those clouds are floating in my face will you go to the devil he exclaimed ferociously and let me be no she persisted i won't come you shall take notice of me hareton you are my cousin and you shall own me i shall have nothing to do with you and your mucky pride and your damned mocking tricks sighed a to gate now this minute catherine frowned and retreated to the window-seat chewing her lip and endeavouring by humming an eccentric tune to conceal a growing tendency to sob you hate me as much as mr heathcliff does and more you're a damned liar began earnshaw why have i made him angry by taking your part a hundred times and that when you sneered at me and despised me and i didn't know you took my part she answered drying her eyes and i was miserable and bitter at everybody but now i thank you and beg you to forgive me what can i do besides she returned to the hearth and frankly extended her hand he blackened and scowled like a thunder-cloud and kept his fists resolutely clenched and his gaze fixed on the ground catherine by instinct must have divined that it was obdurate perversity and not dislike that prompted this dogged conduct for after remaining an instant undecided she stooped and impressed on his cheek a gentle kiss say you forgive me hareton do you can make me so happy by speaking that little word he muttered something inaudible and you'll be my friend added catherine interrogatively nay you'll be ashamed of me every day of your life he answered and the more ashamed the more you know me and i cannot bide it so you won't be my friend she said smiling as sweet as honey and creeping close up no one can deny the charm of this the absolute reality the consummate art which is still art however unconscious 
did the dying girl who wrote the strange book where it is only one of so many scenes of unfaltering truth know how great it was with all its defects in any case criticism must recognize its mastery and rejoice in its courage End of section nineteen